podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. This is a special episode. It is about Saturn and Aquarius from two Saturn returning people talking about what is crystallizing. I was editing this and, you know, got to re-listen to it last night from my new apartment. And since I don't have furniture yet besides the bed, um, there was a special impetus to go out and explore the common areas, the um, I meant to go to the rooftop, but it was reserved. But there's this other um, kind of like lounge area outside with hanging lights and trees. And it was just, you know, getting to re-listen to this episode, which was already such a dreamy experience the first time around. But re-listening to it, I realized that there is something quite special about this episode in the context of a crystallization. And I was feeling these chills in my crown as I was realizing this, this sense that um, I interviewed Ari, Ari Felix. We're both Saturn and Aquarius individuals who are Saturn returning at the time of this recording. It was during this discussion that we learned about certain similarities of our lives and our perspectives on Saturn having been making friends on the internet since adolescence, uh, sometimes more fruitful on the internet than in the 3D. And Aquarius does relate to you know social networks and things like the internet. Uh, we relate on being serious um, and outside of the normal construct of age, you know, having been counseling people much older than us at a young age or having adult friends as children, things of this nature. Um, we also have a perspective that the planets are far more beyond our projections of them. That Saturn is not an old man in the sky, just like God is not an old man in the sky, right? Or I mean, God is everything, I suppose. So that could be one manifestation of God, just as the patriarchal or the tyrannical Saturn is but one possible manifestation of Saturn. Um, we've both been interested in exploring Saturn's mysteries and the mysteries around, you know, integrity and being in one's personal authority and personal power. So exploring Saturn beyond the caricature, beyond the conditioned Saturn that Ari names, you know, the waning paradigm um, or of the waning paradigm when we reinforce the waning paradigm with our limited versions of astrology. Um, this is a Saturn that I've often referred to as the patriarchal Saturn, you know, that Saturn relates to society conditioning and history. And so what we think of as normal or conventional relates to Saturn, but what is conventional is not necessarily true. The bones in the body are the last thing to decay in the ground, right? So these structures that Saturn represents can far outlive their moment of conception or even, I mean, their moment of death. They can outlive their purpose, right? And so we do things or we do things as a culture that maybe once were related to other conditions that are no longer, but we still do it, 
right? The history repeats itself kind of thing. And there's this side of Saturn and Aquarius that is really, you know, by the way, which I'm, if you didn't know, Saturn is currently in Aquarius, but there's a side of Saturn and Aquarius that's very innovative or is a lot about the architecture of ideas, the architecture of the future. And Ari and I both find the erotic in Saturn. I was um, given so much to think about from this conversation. This episode is also special to me because of the experience that I'm having of Saturn returning with self-awareness, with astrological awareness, after beginning to prepare for the Saturn return when I was 21. And when I say prepare, it was an understanding of Saturn that I came across when I first began to study astrology formally at age 21 that clued me in to the law of karma, the law of cause and effect. And it gave me this um, profound sense of possibility that everything I do matters in some sense, that it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And that, you know, I began to connect things like manifestation and how physical form of things is a physical manifestation of past thoughts and feelings. So the idea that even my moods mattered at a karmic level, um, rather than creating a sense of fear of, oh no, I'm in a bad mood. Am I fucking up my future or something like that? It, it, did, it wasn't neurotic like that. It was more like, wow, like I can create my life. Like I can take actions and I can live in a way that is going to add up over time. Like it really gave me a sense of being more creatively engaged in my embodiment and my existence. And so I trusted, you know, sometimes people hear that the Saturn return is just hard and whatever, but it's a time of reaping. So I had like a seven year advance to be like, I want to plant something very intentionally in my life. I want to build something. So I've been uh, working with Saturn and working with Saturn lessons, I think, you know, arguably before I was 21, but self with self-awareness, with astrological awareness since that age. Um, as some of you know, I was really going through it during eclipse season this year and then cancer season, uh, sometimes related to to real events, but other times just mysterious waves of emotion. And it really was like a clearing, which I felt into at the moment too. I felt the soulfulness of what was happening, even though I didn't like it at certain points. Um, but the way I've felt lately pushes the boundaries of my language, the way it feels to crystallize into myself, to make increasing sense in a felt and embodied way of my existence, the patterns, the spirals, to feel things click into place that I feel like I've always been waiting for as though my soul always knew its destiny outside of time, thus sparking so much impatience in my earlier life. Like I was just ready to get there, but wasn't in time, which is a Saturn thing. And some of these things starting to shape and materialize at the same time that I'm in this praxis in my life of opening, opening the heart, opening my embodiment, opening erotically, living from a place of opening instead of a place of contraction and control, right? Like being more in service to the inspiration, more in service to the opening, less about making things happen. 
So within all of this, um, things have shifted. I don't feel like I'm struggling as hard <laughs> as I was a moment ago here, but I'm feeling like my own best friend in a way that's truly new. And there's this bliss that I feel enveloped by when I settle in here to this feeling of Saturn returning and Saturn returning is an extended two and a half year experience, the orgasmic side of Saturn returning, this slow crystallization and this inner realization that happens through everything, right? Like even the difficult experiences. This episode had such a deep impact on me. The next day I felt this luxury of solitude. Like I've talked about some on this podcast, the desire for partnership, the sense of loneliness was part of an emotional wave I had recently been experiencing. But tuning into Saturn through this episode and through Ari's amazing insights and embodiment of this archetype, I felt a deeper sense of dropping into my life and feeling the eroticism of what I already have going on. And love is still important to me, but I feel like I'm relating to that desire in a more open and pleasurable way. And this conversation definitely helped me drop in deeper. So I'm very excited to share this conversation with Ari, a little bit about Ari before we begin. Ari Felix is a counseling astrologer, writer, poet, and bruhe, providing emotional support for the apocalypse. Their practice is dedicated to creating a new paradigm and being in right relationship with the gods of time, power, pleasure, and other fundamentals of sovereignty. Grief literacy, movement trauma, deconditioning from oppression, and relationship anarchy are their areas of skill and deep focus. Ari has been practicing astrology for over a decade as an articulation of their central devotion to multidimensional and multidisciplinary spiritual praxis. You are in for a delightful exploration of Saturn. If you don't already love Saturn, I hope that this episode will inspire you in that regard. Welcome to the show, Ari. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. Um, to start out, I'd love to hear about your practice and what brought you to astrology. Hmm. I'll start in reverse. So what brought me to astrology? Um, I was a semi-emo teen on the internet. <laughs> and I remember I was researching for some project. I don't even know what it was. And I came across this site that had sun sign descriptions. And it was definitely very just like sun sign oriented and just like fundamentals. Um but I read that page and I was just crying because I felt so resonant, um, which is very on brand for Scorpio sun. I feel like, like I'm so misunderstood and I read this article and it understands me. Um, and so I became obsessed. Like I would stay up till like two or three in the morning. So I'd have time after like school or work to read. And I was just reading and absorbing everything. Um, and the concept of being in relationship with the planets was so intriguing to me. I was kind of like, how has this not been a thing? Like at the time I was religious and kind of like exiting religion, but still practicing spirituality. And I was, 
I remember just being confused as to why I never heard anything about the planets, you know, or the stars. Um, and at the time I was like making my own case for, you know, how God created the planets. And so, you know, astrology was like <laughs> not against the Bible's rules. So it's kind of like, that's my, <laughs> my introduction to astrology, um, which, uh, you know, I come from a Caribbean culture, Boricua, which is Puerto Rican. And it's like deeply religious with Catholicism and Pentecostal Christianity and astrology was associated with witchcraft. And so like none of my extended family wanted me to talk to them about it because it was like, no, that's, you know, that's bad. And so my introduction to astrology is actually uh, really interesting because it's this like personal thing that I was involved in that I couldn't really. Uh, so know. on brand for Scorpio too. I know I had to keep it a secret. It's so cult. <laughs> so that was my introduction. And where my practice stands now is um, I shortly after, well, not shortly, sat, short in Saturn time, a couple of years after that, I entered the Academy of Astropsychology, got my diploma there. And so for the last 10 years, I've been practicing mostly modern um, and psychological astrology. And in the last three years, I've been practicing traditional. Um, so I incorporate, you know, threads of wisdom and knowledge from all those different schools of thought. And really, ultimately for me, astrology is a tool for um for understanding how each individual can be part of bringing in the new paradigm and bringing in a new paradigm, whether that's for themselves and interpersonal level, you know, or like more collectively oriented. And that's part of my own beliefs, my spiritual and political beliefs, and also like a response to what I actually end up doing with my clearance and readings. You know, like that's what's actually happening. Um, so my tagline is astrology and emotional support for the apocalypse. And um, apocalypse, like the etymology of that word means uncovering. And so I am really focused on how astrology can support us emotionally through all these like political and communal uncoverings that we're going through right now. Um, and I'm also very like, it's always important to me to make the distinction about how apocalypse has always been happening, not in the same ways and at the same levels in certain areas as it is now, but the apocalypse can be happening, you know, in your personal life, <laughs> you know, you can be having a complete apocalypse. Um, and apocalypse has been happening to different people around the world, you know, like apocalypse happened to the Caribbean when, you know, <laughs> uh, when it became a place where colonizers are interfacing, you know, with empire. So, um, I always add that because I don't like to, um, hype up apocalypse, you know, in terms of like, this is brand new. 
Um, which is also how I feel about astrology. You know, I'm like, I really want it to be something that is grounded because it's an earth-based language. It's about our relationship to the planets from where we are right here, right now. Um, and so I like to make those distinctions. And so that's my practice basically is like working with people one-on-one and through my writing to like, clarify and integrate those distinctions in our relationship to apocalypse and our relationship to astrology. And through that, um, emotional support comes through, you know, through that it's like provides this foundation or this container where, um, you can be in right relationship with yourself be in right relationship with, um, communal and personal apocalypse and, um, yeah, I think I'll I think I'll stop there. <laughs> when you talk about emotional support, I actually see it in my head the way that you spell it, which is like E M O like C E A N A L, I think. Yeah, put the word ocean in it, which is just like this joke that I started in this um Turtle Tank Freedom School that I'm in. Um and my mentor was like, "You should use that because I've been saltwater stars for years." So it's about uh, the ocean and the sky. And so um, anyway, when I like redid my tagline, I was like, I'm just going to put this in here. <laughs> so yeah, it's emotional, but with the word ocean yeah. instead of motion. Well, it fits because I feel like the water element within astrology relating so classically to emotion and the whole like mm-hmm. oceanic sensation of the potential to be overwhelmed by the emotions and the waves of grief and all of those water images. Exactly. Yeah. So I attended your pop-up group, the emotional pop-up group for Saturn and Aquarius and was just super mesmerized by how you talk about this archetype and deeply connect with what you were sharing. Um, So I'd love to hear like how you relate to this placement of Saturn and Aquarius, like how you connect with it in your life, how it is shown up in your chart, how it shows up in your chart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it keeps showing up. So (laughs) not not really a misspeak there. Um, Yeah. So I'm Saturn and Aquarius generation. Um, uh, And I always like to add that with the Uranus Neptune conjunction. Yeah. Um, exact. Same. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, my Saturn's angular, so it's in the seventh house and, um, it, my Scorpio stellium of sun, Mars, Mercury, and Pluto is squaring it. And, um, from the fourth. So I'm a night chart. So I have a night chart, Saturn angular (laughs) in conversation with all these other planets. And, um, it's also straddled. It's like on the descendant and straddled by Pallas Athena and Vesta. And it's also conjunct in that which is a fit star. Um, and I wanted to share what a look, just like three words that, uh, Caitlin Coppock wrote about Dina Belgetti, which is that, um, the Nabal Getty is good for protection, pragmatism, and world building. I was like refreshing my memory about that. And I thought it was so interesting because that's really my relationship to Saturn in Aquarius, you know, and I know a lot of astrologers talk about Saturn and Aquarius being about 
building a new order, building a new um, foundation, building a new structure outside of the existing one. Um, and my relationship to Saturn has been, it's also retrograde. So I joke that I, this is my second Saturn return because I already had one when I was a baby, you know, <laughs> and I was like this little grumpy grandpa uh, out of the womb. And so, um, yeah, Saturn just been always super loud, you know, and has been being in the seventh house of relationships, been the protector, the mediator, the teacher in that arena, you know, and relationships are so important to me, like not just with Saturn being there um, and already like leaning towards commitment and clear containers, but with those asteroid goddesses, Vesta and Pallas, um, and then that like strong fit star. Um, and so I have come into I've always like appreciated Saturn as um as a guide like as a teacher you know um even a disciplinarian but I think about discipline as how you clarify your desires and how you deepen your devotions um I always had this very Jewish perspective about Saturn and Aquarius and like these are you know in Judaism there's just like rules on rules on rules um, especially in orthodoxy, which is about protecting the essence of the mitzvot, protecting the essence of the good deed. And so I've always kind of thought of Saturn and Aquarius as the teacher of that. Like, how do you protect the essence? How do you protect mm -hmm. the, um, the meat of something, the integrity of something? And so I've definitely like, my Saturn is bonified by my benefics in Libra, um, but it's still a night chart Saturn, you know, so it's still like these really rigorous initiations, you know, and I'm in my Saturn return now and it being conjunct the Nebel Gedi, it's at 23 degrees. So it won't be exact for a while, um, but it gets, I feel like the volume just turning up on a cassette that's already been playing. I didn't even use cassette on purpose, but throwback. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Cassette that's already been playing um, my entire life because of Saturn's position and its relationship to my other planets. And so I say all of that to say that um, yeah, my relationship with Saturn has not been an easy one, um, if that's even a thing. But it, I appreciate the tenacity. Like I appreciate the clarification of containers. You know, I appreciate the the boundaries, you know, and I think I, well, part of the saltwater stars is because I'm mostly water, you know, I have like Scorpio stellium and Pisces moon. And so I'm like, thank God there's Saturn there in the ocean. It's like my, you know, my little door from the, <laughs> the my anchor. Room, my, yeah, my Jack and Rose door sometimes and at other times an anchor, you know, that I'm holding on to in the ocean. And um, I also just like, being a serious person you know like I'm one of those people who feel like I'm aging backwards <laughs> like I'm, I'm yeah. being like more youthful and having more fun I'm I really connected with that when you shared <laughs> yeah. that in the pop-up group um of Saturn being in domicile from a traditional perspective in Aquarius like coming into this life already kind of adult-like and I just remember as a kid really wanting to be older wanting all the privileges of being older the freedoms 
peace and like, yeah, being intensely serious. And now all the things that I worked on rigorously in isolation of like, I feel lonely. So I'm going to work on my writing and stuff like that are now sources of connection. And I'm, I feel like I learned how to have more fun (laughs) as time goes on. And I'm like, did I choose to kind of come into this life with that so that I could just focus on that in my youth or something and benefit from it when I was older? I don't know. Cause I didn't like it when it was happening. Exactly. Every single word you said. Yeah. I was like, I lived in such deep isolation for most of my life, you know, I'll be short, right. But most of this Saturn cycle has been in deep isolation and I was doing exactly that. I was honing my craft, which is something as Saturn has been returning that I am um, becoming more and more aware and more grateful than I already was of the value of that. You know, like while it has like separated me from my peers in a lot of ways, my entire life, you know, very Saturn Aquarius as well, just like not fitting into whatever the container that everyone, you know, had agreed was the age appropriate container, you know, I never fit into the age appropriate container and it was very difficult and challenging, you know, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, I am, you know, at this age and have the results, you know, of over a decade of owning my craft over over a decade of yeah I feel that like crystallized wisdom and the way that you speak there's like a groundedness thank you yeah and I you know when you're in it like you were saying like you don't think about the the benefits because the benefits are Saturn benefits they're long-term investments you know like being I started keeping a journal so I started writing when I was six and I started writing online Same. when I was 14. <laughs> Word. Yeah, Did you say so, writing online? Yeah, I had a blog on Blogger. Yeah, I would write online in a community starting from age 11, like learned how to write from the internet. You, I know. And then of course, you know, Tumblr. Yeah. On there. Um, yeah. And so now I'm, you know, I've had this long appreciation with Saturn because you get to the point I feel sometimes when you're a heavy Saturn person where you're like okay I'm gonna accept this you know I'm gonna like stop fighting stop trying to swim against the current and stop trying to fit into the age-appropriate containers and I'm just gonna accept my position and I think as a bruje like that's also been part of it like being so so deeply devoted to spiritual practice for my entire life, um, like of my own volition, I've come to understand that that separateness that comes with with that, that separateness that comes with with Saturn, with the sage, right, with the mentor, with the teacher, with the elder, like those archetypes, um, and how. I have embodied them in different ways at different times over my life. And I think that Saturn and Aquarius specifically being, you know, in an air sign uh, and a diurnal domicile is like such an interesting teacher of ageism, you know, an age as a construct and how you can access channels of wisdom and integration you know, again, at, at 
uh, points of time that aren't necessarily age appropriate. You know, I really connect with that. It's real shit. This is why I love talking about Saturn because there's so much reframing that needs to be done. And I think also with our generation, like having that Uranus-Neptune conjunction that's ruled by Saturn and for a lot of us ruled by Saturn in Aquarius, this is a really interesting relationship to taking like taking that Uranus-Neptune conjunction Capricorn that's like dissolving and evolving the existing structures and embodying that and it's a personal level um, through Saturn and Aquarius, you know, through that paradigmatic um through paradigmatic motions and paradigmatic means thinking about the way we think about things, you know, like evaluating and assessing the paradigm. Hmm. And age is one of those paradigms or is one of those constructs. I think Saturn Aquarius kind of like plays around with or disrupts a bit. That's really blowing my mind actually, because it's just putting into context so much as a kid where I would feel Like I was ready for things that were not age appropriate and just all the angst around that. And even time periods where all my students and clients were older than me or all my friends were older than me. And just like, I've walked through life in so many ways where like people don't really care how old I am. Like even on the online writing community, when I was 11, all my friends were adults, (laughs) you know, and they were very kind and sweet to me and kind of like helped raise me in some sense. But then, um, you know, my clients and stuff, it's like, they don't get onto the call and be like, wait a minute, how old are you? Like, (laughs) they just don't even care. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, that's Saturn, like, because the integration and the embodiment speaks for itself, you know, because I've, yeah, I had this same experience. Like I've been, I've been counseling people older than my mother. Granted, she's only 16 years older than me, but older than my mother since I was 20, if not before yeah. that, you know, like, and even now I still, sometimes I'm like, you know, when I take the time to remember that ageism exists and also, you know, the valid, like the valid, um, time-based experience yeah you know like that's real too like that's a real part of Saturn when I take the time to think about that um I realize that like there that that integration that embodied wisdom you know it's kind of like people say actions speak louder than words you know it's the same it's the same thing it's like that builds trust you know and it's so much so an energetic thing you know, cause like you said, like the queer gets on the call, you know, they're not like, wait, <laughs> you know, like I don't have my age anywhere, yeah. you know, it's not like, it's not in like a public place where they just like know that they're getting consulted by the 27 year old, you know? I mean, now they do. I'm kidding. You yeah. Know? But like, I know from like the and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Saturday yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's been just such a, simultaneously like humbling right and like it keeps you really humble like people are always I think this is like the Leo Aquarius polarity so worried about you being cocky you know when you're like mature for your age and this might be my Leo rising (laughs) I love this I love this idea please (laughs) so worried Saturn's opposite my ascendant you know so it's like so worried about you being cocky or being you know too radiant or whatever um 
again, for that age appropriate container. And so, um, but what it actually is, is humbling to be entrusted, you know, and humbling to realize and recognize and honor your own integration, you know, because all this embodied wisdom comes from initiations. Yes. One yeah. could argue nonstop initiation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not from sitting around eating bonbons. And just <laughs> acting, you know, acting like we're more mature and like whatever than other people, you know, it's like you can't fake this shit. Like you can't act it. You can't replicate it. You can't perform it. You can't. You know, like there's an energetic quality to integrity and to embodiment that um, just is unparalleled. And people know that. And that the way that you show up, when you show up with that deep relationship to your inner authority and your spiritual sovereignty, um, you know, it it's like a beacon. You know, that's, yes. that's where the radiance comes from. Yeah. I want to talk about authenticity then and like uh, Aquarius and authenticity are connected themes to me because I think of Aquarius as connected to the individuation process. Mm. Saturn, of course, related to integrity and like someone who's in integrity with their authentic nature. What does that, you know, require from a Saturnian lens? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It makes me think about the Leo Aquarius axis too, where it's like, okay, to fully embody the sun, you know, to fully be radiant, you need Saturn. Like you need protection, you need boundaries, you need clear mm -hmm. priorities, you need that integration and that embodied wisdom. Yeah, authenticity, Saturn and Aquarius is definitely, I agree, like a specific flavor of authenticity kind of like regardless of the consequences you know like mm -hmm. abandoning popularity or abandoning conformity abandoning social constructs abandoning general consensus um abandoning age-appropriate containers you know it's so scandalous <laughs> <laughs> that is it's it's like the discipline of authenticity i think you know like maybe leo and the sun is like the radiance of authenticity and Aquarius, you know, being ruled by Saturn is the discipline of it. Now, what do you think about that? Um, I'm thinking about like being inherently strange and like trying to be normal and how effortful it is. What are you? Talking about Sabrina, what is, <laughs> what is this normal? Please inform me. <laughs> well, I just like in um, grade school, high school and stuff, I felt like I wasn't part of like the inner circle of like, just like the social norms. And I would look at it as though from the outside looking in and almost try to imitate or take on the qualities or try as I might dress like everyone, though I couldn't. Um, and there was a sense of people can tell I'm an imposter. I know people talk about imposter syndrome. I'm not talking about that exactly. Like, because I think when people talk about imposter syndrome, they mean like they have a gift to offer the world, but they don't feel like they're good enough or something. But I mean, like, 
trying to be more conventional than I really am. And like that undercurrent being felt as an energy in the room versus like in astrology, for example, I feel like a pretty deep sense of belonging in the astrology community. Of course, it varies from spaces and person to person, but I feel like um, I just created a blog like in 2015 and started to meet people and started to have connection and I'm doing something that I really love. And so it's shown me kind of the, um, the alternate, I guess, of behaving in a way in the world that's true to you and being reflected in a way that's meaningful and more vulnerable in some sense versus trying to fit in or trying to be more conventional. And it's almost like the environment can tell that you're like, performing and they're not into it. And so for me, part of my experience with authenticity is having felt forced into it. Like now, of course, like longer into the experience, it's enjoyable, it's pleasurable. But as it started out, it was kind of just like, you know, I can't even keep up this other way of being like, it's too taxing. It's not even working. Like I have nothing to lose. Even if I did manage to fit in, it would be hollow. So it just didn't, um, it didn't hook me. And so sometimes I do, you know, interact with other people who have this longing where it's like, they, they want to be more truthful in their expression in life, but they're in relationships that aren't very truthful to them, or they have a job that's not truthful to them. Um, and I feel like my nervous system when I was growing up was like in flames so hard that I couldn't like keep up in those environments. So I was just like willing to like, let it go in some sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like receiving so much adolescent healing right now. Just like listening to you narrate your experience. Um, yeah, I haven't heard someone read my teenage journal out loud to me. <laughs> it, yeah, it's exactly that. Like the loss, um, it's kind of like the stakes were too high, you know, and the loss was too great because even though I wanted to, you know, have that very like solar sense of belonging, you know, what I actually wanted was a Saturn sense of belonging, hmm. you know, and this is where my like seventh house is sneaking in a bit. But what I really wanted was that like a clear, stable, trustworthy container. Yeah. You know, and over time in engaging in that self-abandonment and self-betrayal, which always sounds like so extreme, you know, but it can happen in really subtle ways and doesn't, there's no shame, you know, Um but you grow resentful of yourself. You know, you think you're being resentful of other people, but actually you're resentful of yourself. So you're like, I never wanted this anyway. I don't want this fake ass shit. You know, like, <laughs> like being, being so Saturnian, I think, and, or even just, you know, whatever it is at the time, if you don't have a heavy Saturn in your natal or a Saturn transit or just Saturn shit going on, because it's part of life, you know, like, you have this, you know, I'm of the belief that we enter the world with our inherent worthiness. We enter the world with our inherent worthiness intact. 
We enter the world with our full prism intact. We enter the world deeply rooted in the value systems of our people, whatever our peoples are, you know, and whatever those value systems might be. But there's this kind of like, I'm noticing with my Saturn return, a return to these fundamental uh, structures, the internal infrastructures that you need to sustain the sun, to sustain your radiance, or even thinking about the Capricorn Cancer, the moon Saturn axis, you know, to sustain your vulnerability. So you mentioned vulnerability earlier. And I was like, well, wow. Yeah. Like Saturn is such a practice of vulnerability. Do you know how fucking hard it is to set boundaries? That's the most fucking vulnerable shit you'll ever do you know unless you're like really deeply integrated in that inherent worthiness and you're just like you know this is just like what we do like if you're not there like weren't raised that way and you have to learn all this stuff from scratch you know um speaking from experience you know it's very vulnerable to have boundaries it's very vulnerable to do what we did when we were younger and just be like, okay, well, this is who I am. And I'm not going to continue to try to like contort myself. It's very vulnerable to do that world building. You know, it's very vulnerable to be committed to the new paradigm. It's very vulnerable to exist outside of, you know, it's just like, again, it reminds me of Judaism and the Jewish people, you know, where we've just like been, um, I was listening to the astrology podcast and the recent episode on the history of astrology and the Jewish people. And um, the teacher was sharing how we've always been on the outside of whatever's happening. You know, like that's a big part of like Jewish identity is being on the outside of whatever the main cultural, the mainstream things going on. But like we're, we're definitely adjacent. And so it makes me think about that. Like, that is a vulnerable position to be in, you know? And so with Saturn being the discipline of authenticity, it's like also the discipline of vulnerability. Yeah. You have to be committed to that because it's a practice and it's like these repetitive practices that build praxis. Yeah. And I want to add to like, there's been a certain point of making that choice or accepting the choice of like, okay, I'm different or I'm like standing for this, um, like to use the language of new paradigm, like, um, or like I have an authentic expression of the universe wanting to move through me and I'm in service to that level of embodiment. Um, it becomes like, there's an Aquarius Leo part where it can become fun, where I feel like it's like walking through the world and it's no longer being concerned if people like me or not, or if it's easy to talk to people and it's a sense of suddenly being like, um, I have this like ongoing party <laughs> metaphor in my consciousness, like having dreamt of parties my whole life, like in my night, like dreamscapes. But I noticed that like, there's this certain level of freedom that when I'm not attached, um, and by not attached, it doesn't mean that I'm not in touch with integrity or care or things like that, but there's like not that nervous gripping or something mm. that it's easier to just actually play and be open to where inspiration takes me and to see other people as God embodied and just like play and be friendly. And, you know, if I'm also aware of my own boundaries and desires, I can 
enter and exit situations at will. Like it's just become really magical (laughs) in some sense. Uh, Maybe that's a Saturn return experience that I'm tapping into as well. Cause I just Mm -hmm. um, remember that same feeling being more like wandering in social spaces and like looking around and feeling like, kind of like, where do I fit in as opposed to being sovereign and feeling like there's just an open space. Yeah. Wondering when it's going to click. Yeah. You know, when is my age number going to catch up to me? Yeah. And then people will like, you know, not question (laughs) my belonging, you know, or when is whatever going to catch up to me? Yeah. I a hundred percent like sitting in your seat of power again, that trusting that inner authority and that's that spiritual sovereignty or, you know, sovereignty of any kind, that shit is so fucking pleasurable. You know, like, I feel like that's the etheric clitoris of the third. <laughs> yes. <That's> like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, it, it is like, it's so fucking pleasurable and it is effort, you know, like the same effort that you put into having an orgasmic experience, you know, whether that's through physical pleasure or art or beauty, whatever, you know, it's like, there's an effort to it. And that, and that is the eroticism of Saturn. You know, I wrote about this recently with the Saturn Uranus square specifically, it's like the discipline of the erotic, you know, and, and the seed of power as pleasurable. And this is, I think, an important part of the Saturn reframing work, you know, that so many astrologers, uh, our peers, you know, that we've now found are like talking about, um, and this conversation we're having right now, it's so important because Saturn has become, you know, just like the actual clitoris and actual like physical sensations of pleasure. It's become completely separated, you know, from sovereignty. You know, Saturn's just like the shit that's hard, the shit that's heavy, the shit that's oppressive, the shit that, you know, you don't want to do what you have to. You know, Saturn just like getting all this like projection of dumpster fire shit, you know, which being so turning myself, I'm like half the time, that's just the consequences of your own actions, you know, (laughs) the other half of the time is stuff that's outside your control. Um, But that's not all that Saturn is, you know, Saturn is so erotic. I mean, thinking about, uh, in traditional astrology, Saturn's exaltation in Libra, a Venus ruled sign, you know, and the like a Venus ruled sign that's in an air sign, you know, so it's about like, how are we going to like create in the, from this uh, intellectual, social, you know, uh, vantage point? How are we going to create an erotic, a beautiful, pleasurable experience? You know, I think that's one way of looking at that and one way of. Um, remembering Saturn, something that I'm like, so, and like, this is increasing, um, lately, something that I'm so interested in is separating (laughs) Saturn, separating the planets from this waning paradigm. from the concepts of this waning paradigm and not as in separating individuals I'm working with from the context you know, of of the experience that it is to live in the third dimension right now, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not like, forget about oppression. You know, it's not at all 
what I'm interested in. Like I'm very, uh, you know, I've spent years investing into trauma-informed education and political education so that I can best be of service just in my consulting practice and in my facilitation practices. What I am saying is that um, don't make the gods laugh <laughs> by thinking that these old white men who are making shit up <laughs> as they go along have any control. Well, that's whether that's in the astrology community or the political community, whatever, just, you know, the powers that be, as they say, have any control over these beings. And that's why I'm so excited about the animistic conversations that are emerging yeah. more and more about astrology. Cause I'm like, these are sentient beings. That's been yeah. a huge importance, like in my practice as well as like tuning in with the planets as like from this perspective of them being divine and having more consciousness or more awareness than I'm aware of not being so presumptuous or not having the hubris essentially to collapse a planet into some very small story, um, which I think happens a lot with Saturn. And it's interesting because a lot of the Saturn qualities or wisdoms like require initiation. I think too, of even just like the, the awareness of what it takes to facilitate or create a space or to, um, hold someone else's experience or something like, and the kind of, um, battles between like children and their parents, for example, like this archetypal old kind of thing of like that sense of the, and I don't know how much that fits <laughs> metaphorically because of this, like stepping out of age in some sense, but just the sense of if one has not crossed certain initiations, it's hard to understand the labor and sacrifices of people on the other end who have crossed those initiations. And it's an mm -hmm. interesting power dynamic. And I think it also comes into inner authority. I wanted to ask you about that because I think often having a negative image of Saturn is also connected to not claiming one's own inner authority, like projecting authority so much onto the external. And when we do claim our inner authority, how much that actually would be paradigm shifting. Like, let's say we're holding the idea that we want to be in integrity or be kind and be in our authority. It requires that we throw out the idea that authority equals tyrant or authority equals domination. Like those are not necessarily synonymous with each other. Right. Yeah. We do so much reinforcing of the waning paradigm by using the concepts of the waning paradigm as the only definition or the prominent dominant definition of, of words, right. But also of concepts, ideologies, planets, whatever, you know, like that. And that's exactly what I'm speaking to is like, how are we reinforcing that those narratives that are based on how, this archetype or this frequency can um, actualize in this one specific way, you know, because I, we, uh, we can understand that Saturn is social structures and that social structures can be fucked, you know, and can be difficult, you know, and like have this, they have a relationship to Saturn. That's true. Um, and, and also, you know, and I think it's like, you're saying like the planets are so, much 
bigger, like every natal chart, every, even every mundane event is like one particle of the frequency. You know, if we think back to the channel, like that's just one channel of the like millions of radio channels that one planet has, you know? And so I think that, um, reframing our relationship to inner authority is absolutely it. And I'll share a personal experience I've had with this, with Saturn in the seven, you know, angular, my stellium square, it's posing my ascendant. <laughs> um, it's very loud. Um, is when I was externalizing my inner authority, right? Like with my peers or in a relationship or some kind of seventh house situation, you know? Saturn also ruling my sit, so in work, you know, I'd be externalizing my inner authority and feeling powerless, you know, feeling like I'm always being controlled. And there's an aspect of reality to that, right, from childhood that um, was trying to make itself known to me. And so it wasn't until I was able to, like, again, very Saturn, like realize or integrate through initiation. Wait a second. I'm not that hurting little kid anymore who is actually powerless and is actually experiencing a challenging like frequency of Saturn, you know, of control and, and domination, like when that channel of Saturn, um, I, I can now be Saturn you know, I can embody Saturn for myself through boundaries, through um, reframing and through reorienting towards my inner authority. And there's also so much uh, this like disassociation, you know, where on the one hand, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I don't care about fitting into my peer group anymore. I don't care about, you know, norms or conventions, et cetera, et cetera. And so in that way, being in relationship to my inner authority, but on an interpersonal level, this is being like, you know, Saturn's in the seventh. So basically I'll just give it away. You know, <laughs> it's everybody else, but me, everybody else can be like firm and clear about what they believe. Everybody else can enforce their boundaries. Everybody else can, you know, have their internal infrastructure, but I cannot. And so rewriting that story, um, has been a huge part of that's I feel like that's the fundamental of all my Saturn initiations <laughs> you know is rewriting the original uh transcript or the original channel that got turned on when I was a kid you know I mean like let's actually like change the channel here because we don't have to listen to that cassette tape again you know mm -hmm. just keep flipping it over and over <laughs> um clearly I miss cassette tapes everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I also how miss is my this? Hello Kitty player. But what? Oh, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> um, what about then, like relationship anarchy, which is something that you know you've shared about, and I actually don't know that much about. Yeah, so hmm, there's a good place to begin. Yeah, I feel like relationship anarchy is. Um, definitely a place for Saturn I feel like I just feel like it's such a great one of the most like astrologer good things about my chart is like looking at my my Saturn that's bonified by Venus and Jupiter and Libra 
and it's like conjunct these asteroid goddesses and it's in the seventh is that I'm just like relationship is so important to me but also I'm not going to be um I'm not going to be orienting towards a traditional or conventional means of obtaining relational security and being in relationship so relationship anarchy is actually pretty like uh what is the word it's pretty true to the basic definition you know of like anarchy and relationship and it's based on the concept and there are some different definitions you know as in every single anarchist community of any kind (laughs) there's some different definitions about it but it's based on the fundamental precept that every single relationship is able to develop organically um, and um, authentically to what those two individuals desire. And so relationship anarchy is related to like polyamory and non-monogamy, but isn't explicitly um parallel so you can be in a heteronormative monogamous relationship and be relationship anarchy and uh, be relationship anarchist and what it would mean is that there is no hierarchy and that your relationship with your best friend or your cousin or you know your um i mean i don't know how many other relationships there are (laughs) your family (laughs) and friends are as important as your what would be considered the primary relationship what would be considered at the top of the hierarchy you know and um i've been practicing relationship anarchy like really all my life i didn't understand that's what i was doing and it led to a lot of friendship heartbreaks because i just i literally like didn't have an understanding that like when people would enter relationships that that changes friendships and I know it's not true for everyone which is this very like this is very archaic dominant culture stuff that I know has shifted a lot um but you know there is this like dominant culture precept that your romantic relationship is your most important one and that's where your priority of your time your energy and your attention goes you know and so uh relationship anarchy is about rejecting that notion and also about the anarchy of every relationship being able to become whatever is uh, developing between those two individuals. And I think it's very erotic, not, not in like a sexual sense necessarily, but just in the, like the meaning of erotic. Like it's about allowing life force and what's generative to occur, allowing change to occur. You know, so um, it takes... I associate relationship anarchy with Saturn, especially Saturn in Aquarius, you know, or like that's the facet of the prison I'm looking through, prism, I'm looking through because it takes so much discipline and so much uh, of that inner authority and being in your seat of power and your sovereignty to practice relationship anarchy without it being just pure like inner child driving the car chaos. You know, um, it takes a lot of responsibility, which is the ability to respond. If you're going to be in erotic relationship with multiple people and not relying on the hierarchy or dominant culture precepts to organize your life, which we all do to some extent, you know, to some like subtle because it's a default, you know, unless we from a young age have been cultured otherwise, of course. Um, But 
if you're not relying on the precepts of dominant culture, right? If you're not relying on Saturn in that way, you have to build your own new structure. You know, you have to be responsible for that. You have to increase your ability to respond because you're dealing with multiple dynamic things. And what's interesting is that that's how relationship just works anyway. But there's sometimes, um, depending how conditioned we are, a disassociation from that. And again, Mm -hmm. like a default organization of relationships into certain categories where we're not putting as much of our erotic time, energy, and attention into other, you know, our friendships or other relationships um, because of this hierarchy that comes into play subtly or overtly. So practicing relationship anarchy has been, um, yeah, like when I, before I had the language of relationship anarchy, the way that I would phrase it is that my friendships are of utmost priority to me. You know, like my, my chosen family is of utmost priority to me. And this was a foreign concept to a lot of my peers, you know, at the time, like growing up and even into my, you know, recent adulthood, where it's just like, oh, the, the level of like attention and care that I'm investing would kind of like catch them off guard, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know how to reciprocate that, don't know how to like be an intentional relationship in that way. And I do think that that is changing, you know, Um, and also like practicing relationship anarchy has, it is like such a discipline. Um, And I think the language, you know, there's so many, so many ways that you can language this. And I think, like I said, even I, before I found the language of relationship anarchy in the framework was using other language to describe this value system. Cause that's really what it's about. You know, it's about a value system. And so that's where a lot of my Saturn lessons have occurred, you know, is an understanding like, Oh, okay. So this means more boundaries, you know, like as I found people who were willing to like engage in that way, more boundaries, not as in like, walls right but boundaries as in clear containers you know and that's what I really when I think about Saturn that's what I think about it's like clear container some kind of shape some kind of structure some kind of um agreement on the commitments you know agreement that kind of goes against a lot of um mainstream fantasy around love that involves just kind of like almost ditzily like wandering through life like not looking for anything and then just like bumping into someone on the street and all your papers fly and suddenly like you start that hasn't happened to you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that sense of like let's not talk about what we're doing let's not define it let's like be really chaotic and messy and like not talk about our emotions and like like that's yeah, a lot, like very normal. Yeah, or on the other end, frantically searching for the one TM, you know, like your favorite product in the grocery aisle and just like losing your shit if you're not finding the one on time, quote unquote. Hmm. You know, I can relate like, to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a real experience, you know? And I think that I, with Saturn in 7th House, was like most of my my life, you know, um, I was like being cultured to 
get a husband, have a family, you know? So I was very much like, so oriented towards that. Okay. That's what I'm doing. You know? Um, meanwhile, I'm like, does that work if you're gay? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm just being like, <laughs> need to find this mysterious one and like make replicates ASAP. Um, and part of like me being like, actually my, my friends are so important to me. Like here's this like relationship value system that I have. I realized that parts of that were dying, you know, parts of that dream were dying off um, because it no longer fit into my reality, you know? And then of course, like coming out and other things. And so I, yeah, absolutely relate to like having that desire for that Saturn container relationship. You know, I want this committed intentional relationship that um, I want longevity, you know? And so in practicing relationship anarchy, I've been able to explore what that means for all my relationships you know like and I've had so many friend breakups you know another like (laughs) challenge of Saturn the seventh like just so many like we're best friends and then for whatever reason we fade out or break up you know I know a lot of people have experienced that it was always so devastating to me because that Saturn commitment you know and those asteroid goddesses especially Vesta I was like this is so important how can you leave it Um, and so I realized like oh what I'm valuing here is longevity regardless of the relationship and it's not any more or any less rather devastating that it was a friend a loss of a friend than it would be a breakup of a romantic relationship and that really helped me start reorienting and deconditioning you know from the dominant culture and I still highly value having people in my life for a long time and I still highly value romance and having romantic relationships last you know, and so I think some people think that relationship anarchy or non-monogamy or polyamory is about increasing the chances, you know, of kind of like scoring your your dream relationship or whatever. And while that's like a clinical and extractive way to think about it, um, I think in reality, yeah, that's how ecosystems work. You know, you engage like you you engage with multiple dynamics, you engage with multiple entities and, you know, bacteria and organisms and all this stuff to make a thriving ecosystem. And that's how I see relationship anarchy is like I'm in the practice of creating a thriving relational ecosystem in my life that is rejecting dominant culture constructs and um presets you know and so that is the way that I think Saturn in Aquarius has been really loud for me in the seventh just like we're gonna like create something um new something different but that is actually returned to something very old you know which is creating what we would call a village you know or um, your, your local community, you know, that's not an ancient concept, but sometimes I feel like it is. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think there is some kind of ways that technology has ad- like invented certain things where it's easy to self-isolate or be in a bubble. And there is less of like a communal, like village energy and um, 
Yeah. What you were saying was so beautiful. Like it was very comforting in my nervous system to hear you describe it. Um, I think too, I've been playing a lot with the idea of the internet as a village or as an ecosystem, because I think that people dissociate about the internet. Like they treat it like a place to shit post or like that it's a place of um, people being fake or putting on this image or something like people just have these like intensely negative narratives about the internet, but it's also an outreach to people all over the globe. And if one shows up to the internet in that kind of like integrity based way or seeking connections that matter or offering one's truth, one's ideas like out into the internet, um, it feels like a collective like fire that people are gathering around the Vesta, you know, like that, like shared uh, fire space. And um, I don't think it's a popular narrative about the internet, but I know when I've been describing it, people are happy to like see it through that lens or get on board because it is uh, more life enhancing, I think, than a lot of the ways that the internet is spoken about. But that's actually back to relationship anarchy. That isn't totally what I was imagining the answer would be. I'm not sure what I thought it was, (laughs) but there's something very sometimes alternate relationship structures have this tinge of some something in it that gets me like skeptical like there's that inner child part that you were saying kind of like driving and what you were describing felt really natural and kind of um i think there's this aquarian wisdom i've picked up in people with aquarius placements who have a decentralized vision of like love and relationship that they don't want to get um, into an Ouroboros, like mutual devouring of just one person. (laughs) They want like to be part of community and that involves having many connections and being available for many connections. And that in some sense means that you're not sourcing your main security from one other person that you've given that, you know, you're just kind of in that template of that being where your relationship security comes from. And I've often noticed that, um, at an energetic level, the more social I am, the more I get to know people, the more I expand my community, it does increase the opportunities that come up in my space or who I meet. And so I like that distinction that you make of like the kind of like calculated or like transactional vision of that versus the actual natural ecosystem metaphor of that when we're in contact with a lot of people or a lot of beings and we're interconnected in that way that we, it's like a, a return to a kind of natural state of being. Ashe. Yeah, we have never actually, you know, as a species, which I always feel like such a, it always makes me feel like I'm on or watching Animal Planet to say as a species. Um, But, you know, we've never functioned in this one-on-one, you know, or even in this nucleus of like the nuclear family. Hmm. That is a very, very recent idea that became popularized in the 1950s due to, you know, post-economic fallout and like post-World War II, you know, it's like keep your keep your shit tight, you know, and also just sold, 
you know, and sold white supremacist values to, um, to divorce us from indigenous values. I mean, when I say indigenous, I mean like global indigenous, like the indigeneity in all of us, you know, of being, um, the blood and bone of, of, of Pachamama of this earth, you know, and of our own peoples, like this, this idea of, um, you know, that one-on-one devouring thing is like, it's always been a high romance thing for a reason, because it was high romance. You know, like we, we understand this is very rare in reality, you know, in reality, it's like all these relationships. And so to like strip relationship anarchy down bare, it's like all relationships are equally important, which I think some people understand that to mean all relationships are equally intimate and that's not the case but you know (laughs) yeah I wonder too if there would be some some internal evolution around having the life force the erotic life force to abundantly offer and be in reciprocity with like cup flowing over energy because I think that if we're compacted or tired in some way it feels like well yeah I only have the energy for these you know, select mm-hmm. people. And, um, yeah, there's been something, this is like almost like an edge thought. I'm just going to be experimental and, and share it, but that etheric clitoris thing is very much sticking with me. Uh, my Saturn return involves black moon Lilith. Cause I have Saturn conjunct black moon Lilith and Aquarius. And, um, I've been part of a lot of online communities uh, that are teaching like kind of like the return of the feminine. Like I think of Black Moon Lilith as like pre-patriarchal feminine understanding. And one of the practices I've taken part of um, is called Sex Bomb, which is about like clitoris stroking. And it's this self-practice that's kind of like one taste or oming, but you do it for yourself and it expands your sensation. There's like this way of like Mm -hmm. just touching the clitoris and feeling into like the huge amount of sensation that comes with that. And that being like a practice of opening. And since I've been engaged in this kind of work of unraveling and like opening to, you know, I've always considered myself like an erotic person, but it's new for me to feel sensation in my clitoris or in my pussy in my cervix, like in my whole womb throughout the day, like when I'm in interaction with people and like hearing that part of my being talk to me consistently. And I think that one of the values that I feel like I grew up with or was like cultured with was this idea that that doesn't matter very much Mm. that like sex or turn on or Eros is not super important. Like don't organize your life around that. That's a benefit if you get that one relationship. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, it's like opening to my sexual energy and feeling open um, in an anatomy kind of sense, like throughout the day in my life, like actually helps me make better decisions. I have like a much clearer understanding of what's right or true for me and a much clearer metric if I'm betraying myself or doing something that's like not in alignment. And there's a power to that. And I'm just kind of like, was this a Saturn return thing that it had to take time to be ready for this or something? But I'm also like, this is amazing wisdom that I'm like, part of me is shocked that it's not 
conventional, (laughs) but it's like Mm. something that has been cast out, um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it had to be, you know, otherwise there was no chance of subjugating us. Yeah. If we were all in, in our seat of erotic power, you know, people say seat of power, we have this very like emperor, you know, tarot card, like vision just pop up and we're like, okay, yes, you know, I'm my own authority and I'm like in charge and like, oh, but like when I say seat of power, that's erotic power. Cause again, like taking the erotic back to its roots, to Eros, like everything is Eros because everything is change. God is change. You know, like that is a fundamental, I think, truth, you know? Um, and and I think it is so deeply related to Saturn because it does take that massive amount of self-trust, that vul- that Saturn vulnerability we were talking about, you know, of like of being like, okay. And then it takes a lot of boundaries. You know, I think sometimes we don't come into erotic initiations um, until we have learned how to protect ourselves from multiple levels. Hmm. Because it's so risky to, which is why people are terrified of it. It's so risky to come into your erotic power and like remember yourself as like an embodiment of life force, you know, Um, it, it's not, it's not something that the waning paradigm is a fan of, you know, and has gone out of its way. I mean, Audre Lorde talks about this in the use of the erotic, you know, we have pornographic material for days, you know, for fucking centuries at this point, but very little like actual erotic material because that's dangerous. Cause the moment we remember that we have this power, the moment we remember the regenerative source of our seat of power, like people get exhausted sitting in their seats of power. And I think it's because they're not sourcing it from something erotic, from change, from life force, from pleasure, from generative, they're sourcing it just, just, just from boundaries, you know, just from like the hard, hard ass Saturn shit that is super sexy and super dope, but that's there to protect this deeper, like, I don't know, I want to say like mushier, softer, you know, like, I don't know, Saturn protecting the moon or Saturn protecting the sun, you know, it's there to protect the luminaries. It's there to protect um, the, the beings that give life to the earth. And so if you think about Saturn in your own natal chart or, or even like in society, like Saturn should be the, the, either the internal infrastructure, the social infrastructure, the collective infrastructure that protects life, that protects Mm -hmm. what brings life to the earth and the earth being you, the earth being the actual earth, you know, like I think climate, we're seeing this with the Saturn Uranus, square you know the climate um climate change and what do we need to resolve that we need saturn we need protectors you know like i think about water protectors you know i think about indigenous water protectors i think about those boundaries you know saturn would be like no we're not doing these terrible things to the earth you know like that and now i'm going on multiple rants but (laughs) that is just like yeah, I think it is, as you're saying, also deeply entwined and that, you know, to circle back to relationship anarchy, it has definitely precipitated um, erotic initiations for me because I have to expand my uh, capacity mm-hmm. to respond, right? My responsibility. And if I'm going to increase my ability to respond, where is that coming from? 
Right. You know, where's, where's the container that is me and the life force that fills it. And like you said, that allows me to make clear decisions, you know, that's all coming from erotic force. And this is, um, this is something that everyone has because we're all embodiments of Pachamama, you know, and we'll experience it through different relationships in our bodies, you know, and with each other. And you know, relationship anarchy could be like a whole, that's a whole like teaching in itself. But I do want to add that, like, it doesn't mean it's not like, I'm not saying that I've had these erotic initiations because relationship anarchy has meant dating more than one person. It has for me. And that's been part of it, but it's not related to that. It's related to returning to this original, honestly, this indigenous concept, but all the relationships matter and that sacred reciprocity matters. You know, like these are just, um, these are indigenous practices that, you know, we all have in our blood and bones, you know, and some of us have to go further back in our like cellular memory to remember, but we know this shit already, you know? And then like you're saying, like we wake up from this disassociation that has been conditioned on us. And we're like, wait, why isn't this? You know, they were like, this yeah. is the most obvious shit. This why well, isn't And it's funny like- too, because at an ego level, I thought differently of myself. I was like, of course I'm like erotically open. That's like one of my, you know, desires in life is that type of intimacy. But realizing that like, I had this idea that it would just turn on, like go from zero to a hundred, like that you just meet someone and suddenly it all is fireworks and it's actually a slow daily cultivation unraveling opening. Like it takes time to open. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were talking about like, you know, Saturn as this, like the facility for creating this orgasmic experience, I was like, that's such a beautiful vision of Saturn. Cause we, you know, can hear so often about Saturn as like just these grumpy, like, kind of like limiting kind of things, but what it's actually like to facilitate a desired and true experience and the, the responsibilities around that. Um, and I'm wondering if there's anything that you would want to add about like the deconstruction side or like the delayering side of Saturn and Aquarius. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the lifetime work, you know, like that's the uh, less glamorous part <laughs> of of Saturn work is that that deconditioning and deconstructing process. And I think Saturn in Aquarius is um, such a great teacher of it because it does give us that air element space, you know, that approach of the intellect, which I don't just mean the mind or the mental, you know, but like the intellect as in all our forms of intelligence to really um, understand the origins of things, understand how how we have been conditioned and why. And I think that that is back to that sovereignty piece, you know, such an important part of deconstructing, which is why, like I said, I've, I've spent the last, I think seven years in particular, really educating myself politically, you know, on the shit that we weren't taught in schools, educating myself on movement work, educating myself on trauma, because not just because I was like, I need to do this so I can be a better counseling astrologer, but um, one, I'm like super passionate, interested in it. And two, because I saw it as my, my 
how I don't want to say responsibility because I don't think everyone needs to go that route with it, you know, and like do it in a more like um, academic way because a lot of decolonization is very somatic and it's very about our embodiment um, and like learning to relearning to listen to our bodies. Um, However, I saw it as like my route to that inner authority to that sovereignty, because I was going to be able to understand how the the machinations and mechanisms of empire function and how those have been internalized by me so I could come for the root, which is what radical means. You know, and when I was young and becoming younger, (laughs) talking about Saturn now, I'm like 80 years old. Um, (laughs) When I was younger and becoming politically radicalized, people were calling me radical and I didn't understand why. I was like, what is that? You know, I was just so much coming from the heart with my political um, responses. I won't say analysis because I think you can come from the heart with that, but there's facts and there's not facts. And that's why the education piece is important. but they were calling me radical because I was coming for the root of things, you know, like that's just what my Mercury retrograde conjunct Mars and Pluto is going to do, you know, and the fourth is just like, where is the origin point of this? So I can uproot it from there. And so I think where Saturn comes into that is like you were saying about the erotic, it is a time-based process. You know, you can't read um, our beloved Audrey Lord, and then you're like, oh, well now all this information I just ingested is, you know, embodied, it's integrated. I've completely de- deconditioned, you know, it takes time to decondition. It takes time to deconstruct. And I think through the lens of Saturn and Aquarius, it gives us some space to do that intellectually because, and neurologically, because like I said about colonization living in the body, like this is the, the body is the original frontier, you know, like, Pachamama is the original frontier, like frontier as in front line. I don't think those words are actually related. <laughs> the original like front line. And so, you know, just like trauma lives wired in our nervous systems, so does colonization. Because colonization is fucking traumatic. You know, it's this constant severance from source. And so um, I think Saturn in Aquarius is a great teacher about how to think about things neurologically and intellectually so that we can put them in their proper fucking place. Like what I was saying earlier about reinforcing the dying paradigm by thinking this definition, this meaning, this concept is the only one. When you understand history, like I've been like a history nerd since I was a fucking kid. Like I was reading history books for fun, you know? Um, Another one of those peer separate things, (laughs) you know, like understanding history, why is it so empowering? Because it puts things in their proper place. You know, you understand the concepts and it becomes less overpowering or you feel less powerless because you understand the machinations, you understand the mechanisms. Um, and then in a large part, they can stop working on you. Yeah. You know, like understand how to play the game so you can play it better than they can. You know, except in our case, with wanting to eradicate this waning paradigm and create a new one, we are just changing the fucking game. But you have to understand the game. And I think Saturn in Aquarius is very much that. Like you were talking about the internet. And I love that. Like I, come, I a million percent agree. Um, it's higher than 100, guys. Because not only like 
we would know because we are the Saturn generation. That is the Saturn return of the internet. <laughs> so I feel like we had this weird end to like understand that you're on us Neptune, just like yeah. joy, like of that. Um, there's something about that Uranus Neptune conjunction that feels like just a radical aliveness that's mm-hmm. like interconnected, uh, digital Uranus, but also like the oneness. Like I've just had so many spiritual experiences that involve like a digital interface where it's like my synchronicities are empowered by my internet conversations and my internet friends and the line, you know, that like a thinner membrane between what people call real life and like what's happening on the internet. It's like what's happening on the internet is part of my real life. It influences my ideas and how I participate in conversations with people face to face. When I meet people in person, like I trade Instagrams with them and connect them with the whole like, you know, community of people that come on this podcast, for example, like there's a playfulness and a, a thinning of the boundary, I think between you know, and sometimes I'll be at like a party and I'll meet someone and like, we're exchanging info and I'm like, are you on Instagram? And they're like, no, like I would like to stay present. So I don't go on the internet. And I'm like, where does that idea come from (laughs) that the internet is the enemy to your presence? Like that's just a concept. Yeah. I love that language of the thinner membrane. Um, now I have insane in the brain playing in my head. But, um, lower the volume on that. Yeah, I think that this reminds me so much of exactly what we were just talking about with reinforcing the waning paradigm by, you know, um, only committing things to one understanding or one context. Um, which often comes from a place of powerlessness. And this is a large reason why our movements haven't succeeded historically is because of on an interpersonal level, the feeling of powerlessness and the lack of political um, education, again, not necessarily just in an academic way, but just like education in many forms um, in our communities. And this is something that Grace Lee Boggs and Jimmy Boggs, who are like, uh, beloved Detroit ancestors go into in depth in their many books. Um, But it's, there are so many ways where we are playing around with power, where we're not aware that we have power. And I think our relationship to the internet is one of those things Um, because, and I also think when you're living that Saturn and Aquarius isolated ass life, you know, like you appreciate and value the internet in a way that people who have enjoyed having 3d, which means in real life, um, relationships and community don't understand. Yeah. And this is something that I've, it's, that has been like a really painful spot for me with people kind of like demeaning my relationship to the internet. I'm like, I live in a predominantly, white, which whatever, but like predominantly conservative Republican, you know, small town pretending to be a city in South Central Pennsylvania. You know, I, this is not where my people are. This is where I'm doing, I guess, my hermit initiation for the last 20 years, (laughs) you know, um, there, I don't have access to community that would be nourishing to me. You know, I have some relationships for sure. I've found some people who like myself miraculously live in this weird place. Um, but I don't have access to this like in- embodied, like as in like physical body sense community that a lot of people 
um, have. And, you know, I won't make a judgment call about whether they take that for granted or not, but I think it warps their understanding of how you can shape your relationship to the internet because the internet, like you said, like, I don't see it as separate. It influences my nervous system, right? Which is why I have to have certain boundaries with it. And I also have been on the internet a long time. So I've learned to carefully curate you know, who I'm following and like what I'm addressing and like stuff like that. Like I can, I can be in my seat of power when engaging with this tool. And I think another like disassociation or like um, misunderstanding that happens with the relationship to the internet is that we're not understanding everything as uh, interconnected. Here's where that Uranus Neptune is conjunction is coming in, but we're not understanding everything as interconnected and alive. You know, like I said, that's why I love that animism is coming to the forefront again, um, or maybe even a different way for the first time. Um, because this, where do you, this computer wasn't delivered from outer space, you know, like everything is being constructed from this planet and from the resources that we have available, like this is an altar, you know, like this laptop is an altar. My phone is an altar. Like the fact that I'm able to look at you right now and have this conversation is what some would consider magic. If we rewind a hundred years, you know, yeah. 200 years, like, and how is this possible? Because we have replicated through technologies as we have been doing since the beginning of time, things that we are capable of doing with our minds, with our etheric bodies, with our etheric selves, you know, this is what it means to understand the world as multidimensional. And that's why I refer to it as 3d. It's the third dimension of many dimensions and technology, as far as it um, concerns the internet and like technologies we understand it now is is actually technology as it would have been understood 100 200 years ago right we're making something that works for a purpose you know to serve a purpose and so um the internet is an incredibly powerful tool that i think when approached from our seat of powers is at seats of power is actually teaching us and can help us relearn how to use our multidimensional brains in our etheric bodies mm. again you know like yes how to remember that telepathy and um all of these like psychic experiences are real and are possible someone imagined this conversation happening this way before it actually happened you know, like technology is always a 3D, third dimensional iteration of our imaginations. But when we're not in our seat of power, we're like, oh, it's, it's terrible. You know, the waning paradigm will say, yeah, they fucking rule it. They rule everything. You know, that's what we're trying to fucking change. Like the Internet is no different than that food that you're eating, you know, or the furniture, you know, unless you're doing everything locally sourced. And even then there's ethical considerations that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism right now. Like, you know, Hashem, like God willing, we're working towards that. But until we get there, like we need to understand that all of these things are tools and can be reworked into new paradigm tools. We need to like stop reinforcing the waning paradigm because we just are continuing to believe that we're powerless. Set some fucking boundaries 
and like remember who you are, like remember your your power, remember your multidimensional power and stop giving it away to um, what you perceive to be misuses of it. Yeah, it's misused. Every tool is, you know, like technology is being used to destroy the planet right now, you know, to violate Pachamama. Like, and this has been going on for quite some time. So that was a long ass rant, <laughs> but Saturn I clearly agree with you. I know like, yeah. it's so Saturn and Aquarius because you have to think paradigmatically about these things. Think about the way you're thinking about them. And, you know, if you can't be present with like while you're using technology or having technology in your life, that's about you. That's not about the tool, not in a judgment way or shame way. It's great that you know that you can't do that. It's great that you're honoring that boundary for yourself. You know, but don't make your personal um, preferences a judgment call on the tools themselves. I think like we were talking about earlier with the planets, these like sentient ancestors, you know, who are laughing at our ideas that they're like control, their definitions are controlled by dying paradigm or books written, you know, 200 years ago. Like this technology, I think equally cannot be contained. You know, it can be misappropriated and misused. That's true of everything. Like, it's just like weapons, you know? Like, yeah. actual weapons were being misappropriated and misused for fucking thousands of years. Like, all of it is a weapon. And are there new dangers, new unforeseen dangers with it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, and I think this is, it is very Saturn because it's like, accept the reality of it, you know, and the consequences of misusing it, but don't allow that to prohibit you from being in your seat of power with it. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of what I've learned about empowerment and claiming personal power, um, working with being activated or triggered as a gateway into shadow work, like have been teachings I've found on the internet. So like the internet, you know, has helped me grow psychologically. Um, and I, you know, hope that having conversations like this and broadcasting them is like a support for others, you know, who are browsing what's on the internet and find something of value. Um, so Ari, you are so brilliant. I love like (laughs) how, um, just like you really embody just like that, like crystallized, like magic of Saturn and Aquarius. I feel like because the things that you're sharing come from a very deep well, I feel, um, with like a lot of years and a lot of heart going into it. So thank you so much for sharing and for people who are listening, how can they find you work with you? Do you have anything um, that you want us to know about? Yeah. Thank you so much for that reflection. Um, and for letting me rant about the internet. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and I also want to thank my benevolent ancestors and protector spirits for bringing me to this moment in time, bringing me to this conversation with you. It really has been um, nourishing to be talking about Saturn in this way. And my work can be found at saltwaterstars.com. And there I have links to, you know, my social media, which is saltwaterstars as well. Um, On Instagram, it's saltwater.stars. Twitter is saltwaterstars underscore. Um, 
And anything coming up? Well, I run these pop-up emotional support groups and I'll have one available in August. And so getting on my mailing list is the best way to know about things um, because using the internet as a tool means also understanding that you can't rely on the algorithm, you know? So I like encourage people to follow me and also be on the mailing list so you don't have to worry about missing out on things like the Nets pop-up emotional support group. I will be presenting an astrology summit um, on the planets as ancestors at the end of August. So that'll be going out to the mailing list as well. What else am I doing? Oh, and I have this ongoing, I have a Patreon for this ongoing project, which is really based on this like love, beauty, and erotic power relationships astrology. And so it's the love letters to the luminaries, to uh, planets, to ancient places. So right now I'm about halfway through love letters to the houses and then I'll take a little break and um, we'll probably do love letters to the rising signs, but I have already love letters to the moon signs and love letters to the sun signs on there. And this has been part of like this whole process that we've talked about with the erotic power, like an outlet for that for me. And I do like love letter reading rituals and like other stuff. Um, so that's an ongoing project. And yeah, I write. So I have a horoscope subscription um, which is monthly poetic protocol and ritualistic recommendations for each sign. And then on my blog, which is also on the site, I do when other writing comes through, that's where it goes. Beautiful. Do you offer consultations currently? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I spend a lot of time uh, working with people one-on-one with their natal chart, um, offering that emotional support for apocalypse. So yeah, I'm currently offering consultations as well. Thank you. Well, everyone go check out Ari, Saltwater Stars. Thank you for joining us on Magic of the Spheres. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much.